Hey y'all, welcome back. Good to see you again. And uh, really looking forward to finishing up this section of 1 Corinthians with you. I uh, hope your week's been going great and uh, that you've had some time to pray about some of what we've talked about because I really think that what we're studying applies to the church as we'll talk about as we go on with uh, finishing up this section here in chapter 4 today. So to review and get the context before we get right into it, uh, this is a letter written to the church at Corinth. It's a baby church. It's it's very young chronologically. It hasn't been long since Paul preached the gospel there, and the the first people became believers. But it's an immature church, as he says specifically in chapter three, and he's addressing a lot of different issues. He's going to seem to just bounce around from one thing to the next, and he kind of does. But as any good letter, he's got he's got a theme, and he's really making a case from beginning to end. They're immature. And there's some issues we need, that need to be addressed to grow up. And considering the fact that our churches in America are facing a lot of these same issues, I'd say we have a lot of that same problem of immaturity. So the first thing he addresses is this doctrinal disagreement. And that's the root of all of it. Okay, The, the root of the doctrinal disagreement is that they're not walking in the spirit. They're carnal. They're fleshly. They're worldly. And they're thinking like just people from this world that don't have any clue about spiritual things. They're not letting the Spirit speak to them. They're not walking in the Spirit. And so as a result, they're swayed by purely human arguments, by uh, arguments with a worldview of this world. And he says this is in the church too. And you got to be very careful how you're building the church. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. You know, he's the foundation of the church, and we're going to build on that foundation. Build on the rock, not the sand, as Jesus put it, right? But you better be careful how you're building, because if you're building with building materials that aren't going to last, like human philosophy, like the philosophy of this world, knowing this world is going to pass away, then in the end, with the judgment, with the destruction of this world, all that's going to be destroyed. But if you want something that's going to last, you better build with what lasts. And that's thinking like the Spirit and teaching the way of the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit. To, to understand spiritual things through the Spirit. So that's what he's advocating is grow up and be spiritual with a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. Be of the Holy Spirit and not just of this world. And he wraps up, where we wrap, he wraps up chapter 3, where we wrapped up last time with, it's a, kind of a dangerous thing to be building God's church in a way that is destructive to that church. It, 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 God is not amused when we do such things. So we need to be careful. Okay. But the bottom line is the people doing the building are not the one that gets the credit. The master builder gets the credit. God gets the credit for his church. God gets the credit for his field, his building, which are the two metaphors we use. And those working are just his servants, and they've done part of the work, but it's his show, right? All right, this is where he picks up in chapter 4, so let's get right into that. Let a man so account us as of the ministers of Christ, and its stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet... Am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. 
Therefore judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Okay. So, he starts with, let every man so account us. Think of us this way. Okay, first, who's us? Paul and Apollos. He's going to say that again here in a minute in chapter 6. But Peter, Paul, Apollos, apostles, right? That's, that's who he's talking about. And he's saying, count us this way. Well, which way is that? As servants of Christ, as ministers of Christ. And the, the Greek word there is, is where we get our word deacon. It means someone who serves, okay? So we serve Christ. We're like waiters at his banquet. We're like uh, helpers as he's building. We're like the guy he hires to plow the field, and he's the farmer. Okay, that, that's how you need to think of us, the apostles, is what Paul is saying. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, what's a steward? We have to understand that word, or we can't understand this passage. So, a steward is where we get our word stewardship, of course. It means you're entrusted with something that's not yours to take care of it on behalf of the owner. And typically, it, it means you're serving the owner. Okay, so he's saying what kind of servant he is. He's not just any old servant. He's a steward. He's a caretaker. He's one that's been put in charge of what the master owns. And the requirement of those stewards is that they're faithful to the master. They look out for the master's interest, not their own interest, right? That's the basis on which a steward is judged as being faithful. And so he says, you know, I really don't care if anybody other than the master judges me. That doesn't matter. I don't care what you think of me. In fact, I don't even judge myself. You'd think it'd be a good thing to evaluate how you're doing as you go on, right? He says, nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. So let me throw in a quick personal story on that one to, to explain why. Um, when I was an operations officer on a destroyer, USS Curtis Wilbur, based in Yokosuka, Japan, uh, very important position, not to blow myself up, but it really is uh, responsible for scheduling everything the ship does, both inside and outside the ship. So responsible for the ship's schedule, what the ship is going to do, uh, where we're, where the ship's going to go, what time we're going to be where, how, and, and the broad strokes of how it's going to be done. Now that's all approved by the commanding officer, but the operations officer and his team comes up with those plans. And then responsible for what happens inside the ship too, the ship's daily routine, the schedule, when meetings are going to be, that, those sorts of things. And so it, it's a big job. And I felt like I was failing the entire time. My executive officer and I didn't get along real, real well. Um, I think he liked me well enough. Just he, I didn't do things the way he liked. And uh, we, we fought a lot. And I, I thought I was failing. And then the, the commanding officer, the captain, he was constantly criticizing what I'm doing. You can do be this better. You can do it. Ops, give me a break. You, come on. Give me what I need here. And I thought I was failing. Through the entire 18 months I was in that job. And as I left, he gave me a wonderful write-up of how great I was. And I read it and was actually a bit surprised. I looked at him and said, you really mean this? And he said, yeah, of course, that's what I mean. I said, man, I thought I was going to get fired just about every single day. And he just laughed. He said, no, you did great. Well, I'd, I'd have never known it. I was evaluating my own performance based on the flaws. I was very hard on myself. But in reality, the one that I really 
needed to please and the one who I was responsible to and who was going to do the real evaluation of me thought I was doing a great job. So I wasn't a good judge of my own case. I was, I was too close to what was happening. I was seeing it from the inside and I needed to see it from the outside from the bigger picture. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here, except exactly the opposite. <laughs> he's, he's saying the same thing, but he's saying, don't, I shouldn't evaluate myself too generously. I don't know that I'm doing anything wrong. I don't, I think I'm being a faithful steward, but I don't get to decide whether I'm faithful. God does. You don't get to decide how faithful I'm being to God. God does. And that should be, in a way, good because God's merciful, but in a way, I don't know, a little worrisome and we should be working towards a favorable judgment and trying to do a good job. Okay? He's saying, I, I don't know that I've done anything wrong, but that doesn't justify me. That doesn't acquit me. That does not mean that I deserve a favorable judgment because I don't know that I've done anything wrong. No. No. God will judge. And so you, Corinthians, don't judge before the time. Well, is he just saying judge not lest you be judged here? Not that we should never evaluate anyone's performance? No. It, 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 we're never told that we shouldn't look at a teacher and say, I, I don't know if he's a false teacher or not. I guess we'll hang out. That's not what we're, where we're at here. Jesus says for us to judge a tree by its fruit, and that's how we'll identify false teachers, right? That's, he's, he's talking about exactly the opposite. Don't look at them and say, well, I don't see bad fruit, so it must be okay. They could be wrong. That's what he's getting at. There's this confusion about doctrine, remember. There's different people teaching different things, and there's disagreements over who's right. And he's saying, you can't just look at somebody and say, well, he sounds pretty good and he's got pretty decent Christian character, so he must be okay. Uh, God's the one that'll judge whether he's actually faithfully passing along the word of God or if he's screwing it up and destroying the church. Remember, that's the context of that previous little section. Him who destroys the, the temple of God, him will God destroy. For God's temple is holy and you, church, are that temple. So don't you judge that, oh, he's, he's a great pastor. He must be. Because there may be things you don't know. And look what he says. He'll both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of hearts. And then every man shall have the praise of God, the, the reward that he has coming from God. Or it could be a negative reward. He's thinking positively. He's thinking we're servants of God and we'll get a reward. But don't judge that everything's going to be great with this guy because he may be screwing something up. So be, be a little cautious here, okay? Be careful who you're listening to. And don't think every, that the guy you like is everything, the best things that sliced bread. It's, it's not necessarily how it works, okay? So that's what he's, that's what he's getting at here. Let's, let's go on to that next passage and, and you'll see a little more of what he's, where he's going with this. He says, and these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou didst not receive it? 
All right, what in the heck is he talking about? That sounds a little convoluted to me. I had to think about it and break it down a little bit and look up some words. So he's saying, look, church, I've, I've said this about Apollos and about me, Paul, for your sake, okay? I, you need to learn from what I'm saying about us. And it's true of them, right? They are stewards. They are God's servants. But he's, that's not really the application he's making. Okay. I'm sure you've all heard a preacher do this. I've done it. I'm not criticizing it at all. Paul's doing it here. I'm sure you've all heard somebody say, you know, I need to be more careful how I handle this. I need to, I need to be more careful to be faithful to the word of God and not just come up with my own ideas. I need to be more, I need to pray more. Can you? Right? Why are they saying this publicly? Why would a preacher say things like that publicly? Well, they're being humble. But they're saying it about themselves, implying that you need to apply it to you too. It just I'm saying I'm not better than you as I'm doing it, right? You've heard this. You know what I'm talking about. That's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, look, I'm saying Apollos and I are just servants of Christ. There's nothing special about us. God gets all the glory. And that's true, but I'm really saying it about all these people there that are telling you all these crazy things that I'm saying is immature, it's worldly thinking, and it's wrong. It's bad perspectives. They're taking a worldly, human, carnal perspective and trying to read the scripture, trying to read the mysteries of God, the way things are in the spirit, and it doesn't make any sense, and it's foolishness, and they're trying to come up with a way that explains it, and they're coming up with different ways, and then they're arguing with each other. And they need to be faithful to the one whose steward they are if they're teaching. And they need to stop being carnal and stop being worldly and recognize it's not about the teacher and it's not about who's right. It's about God. That's what they're saying. That's what he's saying. That's why he goes on to say that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up one against another. Now, what's he mean by this, that which is written? Well, there's, there's several different ways to look at that. It, there's, there's a lot of different opinions. Uh, there's five in particular that I ran across, and I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them to me are a little far-fetched. But there's, there's two that I think kind of combined are what Paul's doing here. First is a grammar thing. The Greek grammar here sounds like he's quoting something. Just the way the words are arranged sort of say, quote, there's no quotation marks in ancient Greek, but they sort of say, uh, and Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? The way I said that, you knew it was a quote. And, and that's sort of the way this is. Um, and, but not like a formal quote necessarily, but like a saying. Sort of like he says, uh, I'll tell you what, he's getting a little big for his britches. You know, I just didn't come up with the words big for his britches, right? It's a saying, and, and you, you know that's kind of inserted in there. That's sort of the way the Greek comes across. So I think that that's true. But I think he selects it for a reason, because he uses the words, that which is written. And right at the end of the previous chapter, he said, he gives two quotes from the Old Testament with, it is written. And he's done it a couple other times back in chapter 2. He's quoting scripture to make his case. And in particular, the last two quotes from scripture are about the, the wise getting cut down to size. 
that they're not as smart as they think they are. And, and God's a whole lot smarter and he's going to take care of that. So he's, he's saying, don't get big for your britches. Don't think other people are bigger or better or more important than they really are. Because what's written is that the wise aren't all that smart in God's economy. So I think it's a play on words that he's using a saying to say something more than the saying actually says. But the saying itself, not above that which is written, means like if you're driving a boat, don't go out the buoy lines. Stay in your lane while you're driving. You're big for your britches. Get back in your own place, right? Don't don't exceed your limits. That's kind of what the saying would mean. And so I think he's using a saying to say, hey, the limit is the word of God. and Don't get all proud. All right. And, and he goes on to say that. Who makes you different than anybody else? Right? If there's a difference, God's going to be the judge of that. And in fact, let me back up one second. There's one other little thing I want to point out. Um, he says uh, in, in verse 5, back in verse 5, he said, uh, it's, it's a small thing that I'm, I'm judged by man's judgment. It actually says in Greek, man's day. Like in the in the the way that's used there is like your day in court. Judgment's not a bad translation. That's what he's talking about. But he's saying that day, like the day of the Lord. He's talking about the final judgment, God's judgment, is where all this comes out. Okay? So he's he's another play on words that I, I found interesting. I thought I'd pass it along. And so that's what he's coming to here. Look, the day will reveal it. I'm my judgment comes on that day from God. Not on man's day. Man's judgment doesn't matter to me. And so you thinking these people are all smart? And me just coming in here saying the Messiah was crucified? Eh, okay, that sounds kind of silly. Uh, I got news for you. God's truth will be vindicated. And if you want to try to take it apart and make differentiations that I think this, I think that, I'm a Calvinist, I'm an Arminian, I'm, a, I'm this denomination, I'm that denomination, I follow this doctrine, I follow that doctrine, whatever... He's saying, look, who made you different? Who made you special? You're not special. Jesus is special. He's the son of God. You, you're not special. You're a servant of his, just like me. So get over yourself. Look, the fact that you're a Christian at all, you were given that, huh? The fact that you may have a gift to teach, you were given that too, weren't you? So why are you being all proud of your teaching that you came up with all on your own when the fact that you can do it at all is a gift of God? Stop it. Be humble. Get back in your place. Get in your swim lane. Don't think above. Don't think of yourself above what you ought to think. That's what he's getting at. And he's talking to preachers. He's talking to teachers. He's talking to those that would be quibbling about details of doctrine that they're coming up with on their own that have nothing to do with the real doctrine of Christ that the apostles preached. And in a way here, he's defending himself, okay? And he goes on to do this quite extensively in, in 2 Corinthians. He does it a lot, okay? And he's, he's saying, these people apparently are saying, who's this Paul guy? Look, here's, here's the way this really works. And Paul's going, careful. Jesus gave me the truth I preach. Where'd yours come from? You got this truth from me, didn't you not? 
And that's why he goes on to say what he says next. Now are you full? Here's his sarcasm coming back again. So I'm going to read it with that tone because it, it, this isn't me out on a limb. Several of the commentaries I read read it this way, and I just can't see any other way you can understand this. Now you're full. Now you're rich. You've reigned with kings without us. And I would to God you did reign that we might also reign with you. For I think God hath set up forth the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We're fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ, right? We are weak, but you're strong. We are, ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Yep, you're right. I ain't much. You're right. You're so smart. That's essentially what he's saying there. You've, you've heard parents in particular do this with kids sometimes. You're so smart, aren't you? I'm glad you figured that out all by yourself. Shut up and do what I said. Right? Or how about teenagers? Leave home and make your fortune now while you still owe everything. You heard that one before? That's kind of the attitude Paul's taken here. The, you got to understand a little bit about Greek culture and philosophy to kind of get the specifics. But the philosophers thought taught that wealth was... Um, sorry, lost my train of thought for a second. That uh, knowledge, that wisdom was the true wealth. So the philosophers were the only ones that were truly rich. They also frequently taught that they were the only ones who had the ability to rule effectively and wisely because they were so smart. In fact, if you read Plato's Republic, his most uh, well-known work, uh, it's, it's an interesting read. You'd be surprised how much of our government is based on it. Uh, anyway, there, there's a lot that isn't. But he, he advocates that the philosophers should rule. And the whole thing is his Republic is this fictional society that he kind of makes up as the way he, he'd run things if he was in charge. And he thinks it's the best way to make a, make a nation or a city-state, a nation-state, whatever, work. A government, the best way to form a society. And so that's the way they thought. And that's kind of what Paul's saying. You, you're all this wisdom by the world's wisdom, by philosophy. Remember, we're in Greece, just on the road from Athens. And he's saying, you're so smart. You're rich. You're, you're so wise. You're reigning as kings already. Because that's, that's what philosophers that are so smart do, right? You're doing it without us for sure. I wish you did. Because we'd be with you because I taught you. Right? What do you have that you didn't receive? The very gospel of Christ that you're trying to teach you. You say, no, 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 it works like this. Remember, I told you that. Stop it. And then he lays out that the apostles are in horrible shape and they're not looked at very favorably by society. And he says, yeah, you know, I can kind of see why you'd look at us and go, why would we listen to him? It's not making him real successful. So how does that apply to us today? Well, look at that ministry over there. They're not doing real well. He must not be doing something right. Is that necessarily true? We hear a health and wealth, a gospel taught. 
Oh, if you're if if you're poor, it's just because you don't have enough faith. If you're sick, it's just because you don't have enough faith. If you're if you got needs that aren't met, it's just because you don't have enough faith. If you were where you're supposed to be with God, you wouldn't have any of those problems. There's no reason for you to suffer. You just got to have faith. God will take care of all that for you. He didn't for the apostles. And that's kind of what Paul's saying here is, look, I, I can see where you might think that, but you're thinking in a worldly, carny, carnal, fleshly way. Stop it. And he's kind of mocking them and making fun of them. Okay? Which is why he has to go on and say what he says next. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness? So I'm not saying these things and making fun of you to shame you into fixing our situation. I'm not just making fun of you. Okay, I'm warning you that is the wrong direction. Stop it. Just like you would with a teenager. Oh, you're so smart. You've got this whole thing figured out, don't you? You're an idiot. Do it the way I told you to before you get yourself hurt. Right? You're really doing it out of love. And he's doing the same thing. He's saying, look, you've got lots of people that can teach you. Okay? And this, this word that's translated instructors here is pretty interesting. It refers to sort of like a nanny. It's it's a slave that would care for the children and get them to school and that sort of thing. Not really a teacher. It's translated teachers in some translations. That's not a, a exactly right. Instructor, they are providing some instruction, but it's more like a caretaker, really. Um, there's not a good English word for it, okay? Because it's not exactly a nanny either. There's some, some instructional in practical matters uh, and, and guidance things involved with that. So that's that's where the King James gets instructors. But we, we just don't have this anymore, and there's not a good word for it. Um, but you got to understand that this is someone who works for the Father. And so Paul's saying, look, I taught these people, and now they're trying to teach you, and they're not doing a very good job of it. You need to go kind of go back to the source, back to the gospel I taught you. So again, he's defending himself a bit and saying, you got born again because I preached the gospel to you. That's what he means by, in Jesus Christ, I've begotten you through the gospel. You got born again because I preached the gospel to you. But now you're going to reject what I teach and go with someone else that I taught because they're so smart. I'm warning you, you're probably going the wrong direction there. Okay? That's why I sent Timothy to, do, to show you and remind you of what I do. Okay? He's also my son in Christ. He, I've, I've taught him. He's not just a servant. He's a son. He's, he's closer to me than these people are. And he can remind you of my ways. He tells them. Now, here's, here's one interesting one for you. He says, follow me. Be ye followers of me. 
That gives me pause as a teacher, as a preacher. Am I at the point that I'm ready to look at you and say, just do it my way? I know I'm right enough that if you follow me, you'll be okay. That's a tough one. I got to be honest, I'm not there. I need to get there. And I need to go to God and pray. God, help me to mature, help me to grow. So I can say that. I can say, look, I've got it all together. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I've got it together enough that if you look to me, you're probably not going to go too wrong. I, I don't know as I'm ready to even say that. Okay? I'm, I'm kind of stumbling along here too, and I'm just going to the scripture and saying, it is written. This is what it says. So I guess we better figure out how to do that. That's why I use so much scripture when I teach, is because I, I'm not that bright. I'm still a baby too. Maybe getting up to kindergarten by now, learning to read a little bit. Little knowledge can be dangerous, and so I keep going back to the root, keep going back to the source. What does God say? Holy Spirit, show me what this means. Because I'm not there yet. I'm no Paul, that's for sure. But we need to mature to that point. And that's what he's trying to tell them they need to do. Follow me and, and let's grow up. Come on, watch me walk. Okay, now you learn to walk. Got that? Good. Now, now see me clap my hands. You clap your hands. Isn't that how you teach a child? That's what he's really telling them to do. You can imitate me and learn to be mature because right now you're babies and you just need a good example to follow. Those of us who have been Christians for a long time need to be setting that kind of example. Because whether we realize it or not, we are. People look to us and say, well, if you're, you've been a Christian for 20 years and you're doing that, maybe that's the right way to do it. But we're babies. And I know that because we fit the description Paul gives when he says, don't you have all these divisions among you? Doesn't that prove that you're still fleshly and you're not spiritual? And as I mentioned, we're going to get into this a little more as we go through the book. This is just the introduction still. He's saying all these divisions, all these false doctrines, stop it. Now he's going to detail some of these problems. And he starts with sexual immorality, which is rampant in the church. And there's plenty of people he's trying to teach it's okay. And he goes on to some other doctrinal disputes, like there's the resurrection already happened, or there isn't one, or you know, those sorts of things. Uh, Judaizers and... and meat offered to idols and, and stuff like that. And, and he gets into the role of women in the church and feminism. Yes, Paul addresses feminism, and we're going to get into that. These are all issues that are still alive for us. And what's Paul say? You're, you're all talk. The kingdom of God's not about talk. It's about power. Is it the power to change lives there or not? Show me the evidence that what you're teaching is right. Most churches today can't do that. We're babies. And then he says what I've heard an awful lot of parents say. Don't make me come down there. I'm going to wear somebody out. Where's my belt? That's how this chapter closes. 
And he goes on in the next chapter to start dealing with issues of church discipline. And he specifically tells him to throw somebody out of the church. He's saying, you need to do this so I don't have to deal with these things when I get there. Because I'd rather just come and it'd be a happy family reunion and not walk in the door. And it, it doesn't need to be a matter of you wait until your father gets home. No, I'd rather it be joyful when father gets home and not just let the beatings commence. So grow up, deal with church discipline. Grow up, deal with the sexual immorality in the church. Deal with feminism correctly. Deal with doctrine correctly. Stop teaching wisdom of the world and start teaching the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit. This is advice, commands that the church today needs to hear too, that I need to hear. <coughs> Excuse me. We've got to get over ourselves. And we've got to come together as one church because there is only one. And we're tearing it apart with our bickering and with our false doctrines and with our own ideas. Will you commit with me to pray? To study the Word of God? To listen to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to guide us? So that we can grow up? Jesus is coming back for a bride, not a toddler. We got to grow up, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, even when it rebukes us. Because we know, as Paul says here, he's, he's willing to chastise if that's what's necessary for the church. And from Hebrews, we, we read that you correct those you love and the fact that you'll correct us is proof that we're legitimate children and not the product of an illicit relationship we're really your sons and daughters we know that because you correct us lord i thank you for this correction that i'm learning from corinthians god i pray help me to grow help me to be humble Help me to hear the voice of the Spirit. To learn from you. And then not be proud of what I've got because you gave it to me. Lord, help your church to come together and be one as you are one. As Jesus prayed. So that the world around us will know who you are. And that you sent Christ. God, help us to stop chasing false doctrines and help, think, help us stop thinking like the world. But instead, think like you think. God, give us the mind of Christ. Renew our minds by the Holy Spirit, through your word. And help us to not be tossed about like little children with every little thing that comes by. But to stand strong as your sons and daughters, grown a mature bride ready for your return. We love you, Father, and we just want to be good sons and daughters. We pray that you'll teach us how. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to seeing you again next time. God bless.